Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. Hey, gang. Uh, welcome back. It's another episode of Recyclables. It's your host. It's me. It's PTP. Uh, I feel I feel like I've aged so much in since our last episode, quite possibly because it was it was my birthday in between then and now. I appreciate everyone who messaged me. Uh, I appreciate everyone who respected my wishes not to post on my social media about it. I'm just it feels very insincere to me when when that happens, and it, it brings up a lot of stuff that happened when I was a kid. And I just appreciate it that if you're gonna do it, just just drop me a line. Uh, all I want for Christmas is for people to join the Patreon. Uh, I, I don't know. If you don't remember, last time we had a pretty in-depth discussion about anarchy, going over the history of it, the philosophy of it, and uh, talking over a handful of important people. Uh, this episode, we are going to completely change topics, and we are going to talk about something that uh, myself, Butter, and Corey in particular are very passionate about. We're going to talk about comic books. Uh, but I'm going to bring it around in the third episode. I'm actually going to pair the things together. Uh, so it's one of those things where I'm hoping we get the chocolate and the peanut butter. Uh, and without further ado, let's go to it. Uh, I'm PTP. I'm not only the host, but I do other shit. Uh, we have a very special guest today. I can do it in one breath this time. My name is Butter, a.k.a. Lisa Frank Reynolds, a.k.a. The Art Hokage, a.k.a. Brosif Brostar, a.k.a. The HBIC of Butterface Creations. And like the rest of us, their genitals are weird. My genitals are very weird, yes. If you want to see them, uh, I'm thinking about starting an OnlyFans, but I don't know yet. Do it. I'm very, I'm very nervous about my body. I, I technically have one, and then I keep... Since I keep breaking down, I'm less able to use it. Yeah, my thought totally was, you know what, if I can't even maintain the Patreon, I don't know how I'm supposed to maintain yeah. an OnlyFans. I, I have not maintained it. Yeah, it's I, right, it's there. So, if you... Maintained it in you, if you really, If you really need those PTP nudes, it's there, but I have not... Anyway, our other... Our other Should I check with my sisters? See if any of them want No, it? check with your cousins. Check with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, no, uh, you want me to check with Amanda and be like, hey, Amanda, yeah. <laughs> what is the and, and, and who's... who's the, 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 that voice is... No, no, you're uh, supposed oh, to introduce yourself. I'm bad at I, my job. I am I'm Amanda's cousin. <laughs> my name's Rochelle. <laughs> Now, I've I've listened to the show a few times. This is my first time. Is the, now pronouncing your last name Kotiha? Yeah, Kotiha. It's actually Kajida. Kajida? Kajida? It's just Cody and Pat's disgusting. <laughs> and speaking, speaking of problematic last names. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Corey Taylor hyphen Cedarleaf. That's right. I've got two last names. Thank you, Catholic Grandma, for that. My parents should have gotten married before Porkin and they didn't, and here I am. Oh, I didn't. And you were born in a bathroom. I was born 
on a on the floor of a bathroom. And one of your last names is Cedarleaf. One yeah. of my last names is Cedarleaf. Can't Love you it. tell the influence based off looking at me? Oh it yeah, is you a, give off big Cedarleaf. It is a Swedish name, actually. Oh really? Uh, it is misspelled. Um, Because that's how the cool kids would do it. Well, you know, there are countless stories of people coming through Ellis Island and, you know, the receptionist behind the counter would say, all right, what's your name? And then they'd say it and they're like, you know what I'm going to do? My best. Here you go. That's your name now. Your name's Daniel Blue Blazer Uh, now. (laughs) Cedar Leaf is supposed to be spelled entirely differently, but it's spelled this way, um, which means a lot of people get the very wrong idea about... My mom asked if he was Native American. No, I had had assumed it was this thing that there's... there's, uh, I think it's like the 60s. There's this thing where, like, if you claim a certain amount of Native American heritage, yeah. you get, like, certain, like, tax privileges and shit. And so there's this, like, huge splurge of, like, white trash people who One do it. One of the whitest people I know has taken advantage of that in the past. Yes. Yeah. And there is absolutely so no I, resentment among the really, truly indigenous community oh, zero, about this zero. at we, all. We all say sarcastically. <laughs> we all... No, this is... It's utter, it's yeah, utter no, fucking it's, nonsense. But, but I just assumed, like, because I know, I know your socioeconomic background well enough to know that, like, that seemed like something some distant great uncle would have done and you had to pay the price of and the price was that you're like yeah my name is cedar but but to know that it's way less problematic than that that's a different kind of problematic it's (laughs) it's really actually should be like more like leif right l-e-i-f how about Um, Corey cody taylor cedar leaf in any case, Jesus. In any case, I want people to be able to say my full name in one breath. Really, I do. Um, but I, I am I am here because I am sort of among at least among us. I would argue a DC Comics uber super nerd, and like, I think you're probably I've, real close. I've up known there you too. for all of like what four hours now, and yeah, that's that checks out. Let's let's go ahead and real quick then to give to to give context in case in case you just decided to skip episodes because you're weird whatever. Uh, this is the the JLA the A is for Anarchy the part two the first part- Justice League of America. Yeah, yeah. Which is the first half was all about anarchy. This one's going to be much more about the comic books. But Rochelle, let's let's go ahead and start with you then. What yeah, is your I relationship? To provide my context on the DC universe on comic books in general comic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So unlike y'all, there was no access growing up, and I had six older brothers and sisters. No one else had been interested in it, so there was no way I was ever getting a comic book in the house. Six older brothers and sisters, and nobody read comics. Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, man. I'm from a very boring family. So, like, my experience is typically what came into the mainstream. Originally, my favorite Batman movie was Batman Forever. And Val Kilmer will always hold a special place. Yo, that movie does slap. I don't care what anybody says. It's good. I don't care what people say. It is one of my Um, favorite good bad movies. Then it became The Dark Knight because it just was very enjoyable. And it felt so gritty when it came out. But I remember rewatching it about four or five years ago, and I was like, this is the most campy 9-11 bullshit I think I've ever seen. As a movie, it is just okay. Yeah, yeah it's just okay. But now my new favorite Batman movie is the Lego Batman movie, because it is fun. superior in all ways and shapes and yes. forms. I, I forgot that in my analysis. So that's When you let Batman have fun, that shit slaps. Well, and when you, you genuinely talk about his flaws... Yeah. And that whole movie and, was and talking not, about not his not in the flaws. way where you're trying to glorify them. Yeah, when not in the like Rick Batman, and Morty right? way. It's yeah, yeah, not yeah. in the way like, oh, he's a tortured genius and we just need to put up with it. It's like, no, he's being a selfish prick. Yeah. 
And so I don't have a lot of the nitty-gritty information. I know because Corey talks about it a lot. And, like, there's just generally in conversation. But I will not have the extent of knowledge of any of y'all. But I do have a poli-sci degree that I wasted a lot of money on. So. so you will definitely provide an interesting perspective. But, like when we were when when they took me on vacation, Corey was like, "Oh, we're going to the com-. like that was his his it, like like we're in a new place. Let's go to their comic book store. They may have things I, I have not." No, that's that's a great also that's a great yeah. way to gauge a place. Too. Yeah, I love that. Hundred percent. Thing about being an, a super nerd like myself is typically if you're going to a comic book store. You're also going to a game store at the yeah. same time. Mm-hmm. And I am very uh, into the TTRPG scene at this moment, as well as the comic book scene. So those For places Patrick is very into the Magic the Gathering playing games. scene. Okay. Mostly Dungeons so and Dragons. There is a triforce of comics, tabletop games, and card games. Yes. And so, if you go to one of those shops in most towns, you're going to all of them. At the same time, yeah, because it's all one place, especially mm-hmm. especially nowadays, because all of those places that uh, like if you're going to do that, you're if you're going to survive more. as an establishment like that, you kind of have to do all three. Like I'm from Portland, this place is fairly big. If you go to a place that's smaller, the odds are you're going to find super cool collectibles that's that gonna be you're the not going to see in other places that yeah. have maybe been at that store for like twenty plus years, sitting on a shelf with like a five hundred dollar price tag or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty high. There's usually some really cool stuff in these places. I mean, because I, do, I, I say yeah. that about you, but I do, or I used to more so, do the same thing when it came to magic cards. Like, like when I uh, went on like high school trips, especially because like in in my high school era, like there was much more likelihood that like some rare, unique card wasn't accessible because the internet wasn't working the same way. So, like, I imagine it's it's a similar feeling with, with comic books when you're shopping. Everybody's got one of these, don't they? Because mine is action figures. <laughs> Like, I will find the spot with action figures, hoping Um, to find somebody who doesn't know what they have. tend to also be at the comic book store slash game store. Although, almost every time they got the worst fucking prices. I will go to a specialty, like, adult collection store where, like, yeah, they got some My Little Ponies and shit, but I'm looking at those Marvel Legends in the back. Uh, I just like to pretend that I'm really excited that people have a Ross. <laughs> That's my favorite like, thing. Like there's not a Ross every twenty blocks from here to Gresham. Yeah, like I just like to I like to like get to the place I'm saying like, oh shit, you guys got a Ross? Another reason why I like going to these places is I know that when we were in that comic book store, there were some books that they had there that I did not see at my local shop. Um, there are, uh, there's a good chance they're gonna have some stuff that might be out of print. And if there's, like, or a they're local... gonna have, like, a volume fucking five of a series yeah, that you can't get. Yeah, with those smaller shops, there's always a chance that they picked up, like, a whole run just yeah. during the subscription process and yeah. nobody bought it all out. Because the thing is, is there's so many comic books out there that every time a store orders them from Diamond, yeah, that's how you know I know what I'm talking about. At nerd, least, at nerd, least, you know, last time I checked, you know that when they buy these comic books, they have a catalog and they need to check off the things that they do and don't want to order, which means that there's a good chance that one store that you go to is going to have 10 different comics that this store didn't order, and vice versa. Yeah, one store knows they don't sell X-Men so well, so they don't order all the X-Books. They only order the main line and maybe Wolverine. And this other store is like, well, we sell all those. We don't, we don't, nobody buys Green Arrow here. What the fuck? Don't order that. Yeah. Being being in Portland and close to Dark Horse, I also know that we have like... uh, regional 
Like, like shit that's more, like, yeah. like, if your specific region has a printer or a publisher. Image Comics was going to be moving its headquarters to Portland as well. Which one's Image? Image is the one that has, like, like Spawn Saga. and Walking Dead. They're the ones that do the other comic books that are still comic books, if that makes sense. The history yeah. of Image is interesting okay. because it is, it, creator is, owned. it is creator-owned, and it is artists and writers... I think actually mostly it was um, originally artists. It was yes. artists, yeah, because of the issue that they, that that they uh, had was with ownership of their art. I yeah. think, yeah. and it was a lot of them were working for like the big two at the time, and they were like, "It that's is all there was. It is nonsense that we're you know doing all this work and making all this effort to be instrumental in making these characters iconic and not getting our compensation, our due compensation for the amount of work that we're like, like." Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man yeah. is an iconic version of Spider-Man yeah. artistically, but he was not getting what he was if owed I'm the reason for that. that. Everybody thinks of that spaghetti webbing when they think of Spider-Man, and I can't even sell a print of the motherfucker. That would make me very upset. And I'm not, you know, I'm not getting these big residuals that a lot of the other people that are involved in the process are getting, even though arguably my contribution is so large. Equal or greater than most. Why not just make our own place where we get to make our own characters draw our own shit and own it, have our name on it, and yeah. we can figure out the profitability of all of that ourselves. And yeah, most of it will be trash, but it's not like it's going to tank the market or anything. There's gonna, this is going to last forever. We're going yeah, <laughs> to need to throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks for sure, but some of it arguably did stick incredibly well to a point where now you've got... It, uh, every single major artist and writer has work that is under the image label because they know that it's they're going to be safe to work for the big two and then also have a side project over here. Before, and I could be getting some of this wrong. If you're even bigger into comic books than I am, feel free to correct me. But I do feel like that is fairly true because I read the names on the sides of spines. <laughs> So to get into the preamble of some of that butter, as an artist, do you, is that more your relationship with comic? Do you see it as, as a thing that you're like, oh, this is a medium that I can emulate and learn from? Or is, has it been uh, a thing you collect and absorb yourself? Uh, I think the art is really what keeps me drawn to it, especially over like normal ass books and shit. I mean, plus like the first thing I ever read, I remember being a comic too. So it's just kind of been deeply ingrained in me forever. I invited you because you're you're a visual artist, and yeah. I, but I didn't know, and I know you collect in the form of game or, or, or here. Yeah, I got figures. action figures for days. I do. I did used to collect books more often, but then I cut down my collection uh, to just what I thought was essential. Like I did used to have a lot more DC and Marvel stuff, but it was like I don't know. I just keep just like the main stories I really remember enjoying, or like the ones that I feel like are essential. And if I ever want to just loan it to somebody, just to be like, yeah, read fucking Dark Victory. Here, just take it. I'm weird in that. Like, I love comics. I know a lot about comics. Don't own like hardly any comics. I own a hard copy of Watchmen because somebody gave it to me. But at the same time, I have my favorite comic is JLA Earth Two because there's a cool antimatter matter discussion about like what is good and evil and what do they mean in context of each other that I really enjoy. Fun. I'm more of a 
wiki knowledge when it comes to comic books. Like, oh, I remember that Batman's had at least four Robins. Some of them canonically have been female, although Stephanie Brown's like a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know what episode or run that was. So I think we have. I feel like with a lot of stuff like Batman and shit, you know, the stuff that's been running for like almost a hundred years, it's harder and harder to keep up with that. So that's yeah. that's also yeah. part of why I keep my collection to just kind of the one-off stories. I think, and that's that's one of the gatekeepy things about comics, just by their own design. If you're going to have a universe that has to have some kind of continuity yeah. to it. Um, a lot of people are really intimidated by that because it inherently means that in order to enjoy the time you're about to have by picking up a comic book and reading it, you have to accept the idea that you are buying into a story that you might not know all of the elements of, which is every time you ever open a book, that's kind of what happens. But you might have some context. But the I think character. it gets weirder with comics, too, because of the the frequency of passing off between writers and artists. And e yeah. the consistency gets a little rough. That's why the, the distinction of like pre-crisis Batman and post-crisis Batman. Yep. Two completely different Batman. I wanted to give context. The only comics I've owned was V for Vendetta, The Watchmen, and then a graphic novel. Well, it's a graphic nonfiction about Marie and Pierre Curie. See, I feel like if, if you're going to, if you talk to the common person, like somebody who's not like one of us two, who are like deeply ingrained in it and have been in it forever, most of them are probably going to like have a knowledge of the superheroes, yeah. some maybe extra knowledge, like you know the extra Robins, right? Some people might know that Superman's a dick, depending on what Sonny's under, that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. But most people, if they own a comic, it'll probably be something, yeah. you know, yeah. it'll be like Watchmen or V, maybe Dark Knight Returns, maybe... What's, my relationship with comics is like is like very succinct, too, in that like I would get graphic novels from the library and read the whole storylines. So I would read the death in the family storyline. I would read new frontier. I would read like the anthologies and take it in that way. The without... library is an absolute blessing for this kind of shit. Yeah. So I would, so to me, it's never been a thing of ownership, but it's definitely been a thing of, of it exists. I know more than other people, but I know I don't know as much as other people, which is kind of how I approach all information. So I'm pretty comfortable in this arena ish. The, the history of, of comic books starts pretty integrally about where we dropped off with anarchy. But I do want to say that there's a lot of stuff that inspires comic books. And some of it is going to be stuff we want to explore later. Like I do want to do an episode about mythologies. Uh, and that is actually one of the bigger earlier kind of influences and concepts of superheroes is like, a lot of our early myths, some of them were just folk stories, were just for funs, and mm -hmm. they're like, a dude is super strong, and he beat up a thing that was super, like Hercules. He's got a big blue ox, my guy. Yeah, the precursor to Paul Bunyan Hercules is totally... spread a bunch of apple seeds yeah. everywhere. Gil, the, the first form of literature, Gilgamesh, is in a weird way kind of a comic book and that it's about, like, there's an origin story. He gets, he gets, he's a wild man and he gets subdued by a uh, sex do, priest. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's Ishtar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and. I named all my fish after that in my no. tank in college and a lot of them died. But th those are all supernatural, superhuman feats. They like fight giants and stuff and they save the day and they, there's even, there's even conflicts where like they'll build up a character and another character and then they fight and then they're best friends and then they go on adventures together. Together. So, like, this stuff in, in storytelling form has been around for a while. And any, a lot of, a lot of early, uh, printing stuff, image was included with text to be like, ta-da, look at this thing. And here's like the dope thing they said to each other while they stabbed each other. Like, 
cool story. Comics as a, as a format definitely can succinctly find their start in like 1841 in that like there's a, a, a dude who publishes a book that is images with words around it that you're supposed to flip and kind of follows the format. It's a hardcover though. It's a concept that gets picked up because that's super useful in newspapers. Political cartoons have existed probably as long as we've been making newspapers. But the format of like storytelling over several panels gets super useful when you want to make a context of like, capitalist does this and then you do this and now overthrow well, them. It it's all it to set up the joke and stuff. Yeah. And it also makes it a lot more accessible to people who don't have as strong of literacy. If you're putting pictures with the words yeah. that can add context that you wouldn't be able to pick up if it was all just written. I'm just seeding the ground for things I want to do in the future. But the history of childhood is pretty interesting in that there's a point where, like, you're not acknowledged as a thing that people would sell products to. But about the end of the 1880s, 1860s or so, people are in the 1860s into the 1880s, people are like, Oh, kids, kids, you can sell shit that kids will buy and then, or they'll nag their parents about it. And that's when you start getting kind of cartoon-ish comic panels that are oftentimes advertisements like Bazooka Joe style shit, right? The earliest integration of superhero comics is, of course, born famously with Superman in June of 1938 by Schuster and Siegel, correct? Siegel. Siegel. Okay, I always get <laughs> showing my anti-Semitism. But um, the of note, he is uh, fighting kind of for the underdog in a lot of those stories. He he keeps a condemned murderer from being killed. He if I remember it, he like saves somebody's rent or something like that. He, like he keeps them from getting evicted. The the whole idea is that also he's he's a common man who can do things that are extraordinary, right? Like, like the big deal about him stopping the executioner is that the call won't make it through in the time that it would take Superman to get there. So he's going to get there before the guy can be saved from the hangman or the chair or whatever. I don't Wild know. to be like, no, I'm faster than a phone call. I'll just play the yeah. message. Yeah, especially... Fuck like, a real telephone. We're going to play telephone. Watch this. Especially because, like, telephone in, like, 1938 is, all right, all right, I got a call here. All right, and then they're going to connect me to here. Okay, so I need to wait for that connection to go through to the next connection to the next connection. No, this is really the governor. I'm not kidding. This is the governor. Like, that's... that's Superman having the power to fly didn't necessarily exist in a lot of the earliest comics as well. So when they're saying that he is able to speedily get from one place to another, that's just him booking it. He's like the Flash. Um, he, can, he can leap taller than a sing, uh, in a single right. round, but that has nothing yeah yeah but flying yeah um well and yes. also was superman originally jewish he, <laughs> no but he was made by two jewish guys so there's a lot of and okay. like if i remember right like they're they wanted to they, they put him in a story called like the reign of the superman that was like sort of a like super people conquer us and take us over okay uh but i do know that that started the boom of superheroes. And, yes. and DC wasn't the only company. A bunch of people pop up because they figure out these things are pretty cheap to make, right? They're super easy to write, and you don't have to pay people a ton to make them, and then you get to keep all the money. And people 
love them. They fucking love them because it appeals to the people who can't read, people who struggle with language. And America, especially at that time, is a place that is uh, bringing in a lot of, uh, uh, not refugees, what's the other words? Immigrants. immigrants. Yeah. yeah, a lot of immigrants. I mean, a lot of heavy, them are refugees, yeah. though. Yeah, heavy like, melting pot times. Yeah, and also uh, literacy is on the increase in America. Like, we've finally kind of institutionalized a learning system across the country, so literacy is increasing in general. And then it's also, it's just fucking cool. Like, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. It spawns a number of other heroes of note because we're talking about Justice League and, and there's other heroes that come about like the Human Torch, Captain America. Batman, however, specifically comes Batman. about. Yep. 1941? 1939. Less okay. than a year later. Superman comes out June 38. Batman comes out March 30th of 1939. Less than a year later, yep. somebody just comes creeping out the yep. shadows like, yo, we can do this, but cooler. And, and since, right. and since we're here, uh, I do want to recycle some understanding of how it comes about because the the common story is that it's bob kane created batman and bill finger was there and really it's like bob kane was like well wouldn't it be dope if there was there was a guy named batman and then bill finger was like yeah and here's all the ideas to go along with it yeah and then bob kane had a really good lawyer and that's how we attribute him to being the guy. In fact, one of the things I heard, apparently Bob Kane would like walk around with art already done so that when people were like, can you draw me a picture of Batman? He'd be like, he yeah. He it out of the yeah. sketchbook. And He's like, so, yeah, I drew this, I drew this a week and a half ago. And like people would like, well, no, he didn't even draw it. He would pay people to draw it. And he would like, what a piece of shit. and he would get cornered to like, can you, can you do some new Batman art? And he's like, oh, uh, I got to go to my studio. I don't have all the necessary tools. Well, actually, we brought all your tools from your studio. Oh, oh well. Oh, look, my hand's not doing so well. Oh, I'm, yeah, I got the, the thris, which is what I call the arthritis, I guess. <laughs> I, got, I got a bad touch of the arthritis, fellas. Uh-huh. I can't draw Batman today. Sorry. Also equally important, kind of the holy trinity of what will become DC eventually, Wonder Woman is created October 21st, 1941. Mm-hmm. So, like, these things are kind of like wham-bam. So I watched that movie about the guy. Wonder Woman does have some interesting stuff. It was a very uh, the, fun story, the, though, the, yes. the, yeah. the original writer uh, was polyamorous and had two wives, hopefully consensually, I believe, is, is the situation. I would love to believe, yes. The I, movie was interesting, <laughs> the, is what I will say. He was also a kinky motherfucker. He was also a very kinky individual, and he invented the lie detector, which is... Which doesn't work. But, but it's not admissible. But, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. But but my favorite part is, of course, that means Wonder Woman has a lasso of golden truth to which she can tie you up, and her only weakness is if a man ties her up. up in it. Yeah. That is, by the way, a weird culmination of everything about the guy. You yeah, know? it's. Uh, <laughs> no, I heard that movie was not necessarily as accurate as it could have been. So I, I'm. They always gotta dramatize stuff up yeah. for Hollywood. Yeah, it just right. kind of seemed like it. There were probably some pretty progressive things happening there, but it was still pretty couched yeah. in those time frames and he had a lot of power in this situation that he, made it not necessarily seem as cool as it could he be. He was a feminist who had two wives, one for a relationship and one for like house stuff. So like Yeah, so so rule feminist. Air, air quotes feminist. Yeah, yeah. I think women can do everything. That's why I have two of them. The other <laughs> the other reason uh, all of these characters including uh, to a lesser extent Captain or to a greater extent Captain America get picked up is because they're also a great way to Propagandize. Propagandize without mm-hmm. being propaganda specifically. Without being explicit. Yeah, without being like like we're gonna go punch Hitler without saying the American War Department wants us to go punch Hitler. Because an important thing to note, World War One in Europe starts in uh, September first of nineteen thirty nine. 
So by the World War II, or World War II, thank you. So uh, just a little bit after Batman, World War II is a thing that's going on and is going on in the backstage. Are you trying to say there's a correlation between Batman and World War II? Yeah, ish. In that all of these heroes are eventually used to sell, do things like sell war bonds. There, a lot of them are portraying Americans fighting Hitler before Americans even show up into the war because we don't show up until famously uh uh, uh the 7th of december in 1941 later, yes. when we're like oh i guess i guess the world has incorporated us in its war I, it is also important to note that a significant amount of comics creators at the time were jewish, jewish. and so it would make sense that a lot of these <laughs> jewish comic book creators would be like yeah we're gonna have hitler get Knocked on his rock ass, his shit. and like some of these guys go and fucking fight in World War II. I think it's Jack Kirby. A lot and of them. I, I, yeah. I think Stan Lee went, if I yeah. remember it, or he was. He might have been in that weird age where he was like just too young, and then was just too whatever. But but a lot of them do go and do service. So they're, knowing they're, that fact though about how World War II started right after Batman was created, it gives me more context in Alan Moore's interpretations in uh, the Watchmen, and especially like yeah. superheroes in Vietnam. So that was that's. Really Really yeah, I also knowledge. do want to say, though, that I think one thing that did happen when World War II was kicking off is a lot of these comic book companies, they still did continue to make superhero comics. But then there was a pretty sharp increase in, like, they're just going to have a comic that's about a a, a guy, a soldier. War stories. Yeah. It's just war stories. I, I have a, I have so a handful of old single that, issues from around yeah. the earlier days where it is just, just tales of Actually, war. The yeah. reason DC yeah. uh, come main manages to kind of serve, there, there's a number of times where the comics industry kind of dies, and one of them is World War II because of that, but the, the big sellers of Captain America, Superman, or specifically Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, yeah, but also Captain America, Trinity. Human Torch, and Namor, oddly yeah. enough, uh, for Marvel, sold pretty well superhero-wise, and then you see a decrease. That's also where something like the Justice Society gets formed, because they're like, we have these other characters, Green Lantern, The Flash, Adam Smasher, Hawkman, mm-hmm. all these guys that like had fans but we we can't make sales so we'll just shove them all into one book and uh wonder woman can be their secretary because <laughs> yeah because that's right that, yeah she's not she's not she, well, she's okay it was, she's the most powerful one out of all of them you put her in any story it's solved automatically it's just, she's gonna just come in and super punch the fuck out of people Ooh. yeah so you, you gotta you gotta you gotta put her on the sidelines for the motherfucker that like, shoots arrows and for the motherfucker who got the magical green ring that can't attack against wood, wood? Yeah, in that period, wood. Yeah, yes. it was the wood period. Oh no, yellow. <laughs> the later period. Fuck. It's not about yellow. It's about what yellow represents. Okay. It just it, it, it's a very green scary lantern. color. Green Green Lantern in this period. I has will a... pee if I'm afraid. <laughs> that is Rochelle's superpower. Does that not happen? Can imagine like you, Garth you... Ennis writing a story where Hal Jordan gets literally peed on by somebody and just go like. I'm surprised that never popped up with like a Green Lantern stand in in the boys. Oh I, no, it's Dehydrated Man, my worst I, enemy. I do, I do think if that is your superpower, I could interest you in a guy named the Wizard. Uh, yeah, uh, no, that's no, a thing. Yep. no, the yep. wizard doesn't actually piss, do they? No, no, he yeah. bit by a mongoose and has super speed. Because, because my favorite, honestly, of oh heroes in this time is a guy I think named the Vulture, who is raised by vultures, and that's why he can fly. And oh. so he fights crime because his parents were millionaires. Yeah, they like, they they threw so <laughs> many ridiculous ideas in comic books of like what's. 
So What's an animal that someone could be based off of? Yeah, basics. Is there a platypus superhero? Probably. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. The fact that none of us could think of one off the top of our heads tells me no, not one. Wait, There's... so Phineas and Ferb, that's a platypus. That's a, yeah, yeah, okay. That's that a cartoon and that doesn't no. count. Challenge, challenge to all of our fan artists who aren't butter is to make it sexy. Sexy platypus, but, yes. But before I forget, too, the, 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 the uh, origin stories for all of the, for these three heroes of DC in particular are kind of the classics that will be set up. Superman is an alien who crashes to Earth and is raised by people in the town of Smallville and ends up learning truth, justice, and the American way. And when he moves to the big city of Metropolis, applies his powers to the people there to, to help them in times of need. The classic uh, fish out of water. And I also think it's important that he 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 does a lot of like like disaster relief in his his early missions. He's much more mm-hmm. about like oh a floods planes. coming, yeah, that <laughs> kind of thing. Falling. Yeah, yeah. Super villains weren't very much a thing. Super powered dude as the hero was definitely a thing early on. But, but super then, powered villains, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it was usually super like villains. A, nobody yeah. had a rogues gallery. It, yeah, right it was now. usually yeah. like an evil scientist kind of thing. Well, because you didn't have to start very big for it to mean a lot for people. Yeah. Literally, a guy standing in front of a gun that's shooting and the gun not doing anything was fucking amazing to think about yeah. at first. And then people were like, all right, so he survives bullets. What's next? Welcome <laughs> to power scaling, which is like a big problem in anime and shit. Thinking, speaking of power scaling and its weird levels, Batman is mm. is supposed to be the peak of human proficiency. His parents <laughs> die uh, when he is a child, and you it puts him... his mental state. He's the peak of human <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A lot he has of a bad case of sad boyitis. He does. It's addressed actually in the Justice League. There's a point where he's like, I'm I'm a rich kid with issues. That's really all I am. He's yeah. saying yeah. that while Wonder Woman is trying to fuck him. Yeah. yeah. But that gets us Bro. to Wonder Woman, and her origin is nominally that she is the princess of Themyscira the island of the Amazons from Greek mythology, which ends up being kind of the other, the, I, I think kind of the three big styles of superhero are alien fish out of water, super person who doesn't, person who doesn't have powers, but does have really cool tools of some kind. And lots of trauma. Yeah. And um, magic person. Magic person who is either born of some kind of magical lineage or was made of clay and then brought to life. Yeah, and then sometimes she's like the the daughter of the gods. Like she's like yes. Zeus's daughter. She's a demigod, or she's made of so, clay and then Zeus brought her to life at the at the request of her mother. Or she was yeah. actually Fucking like physically Wonder born. Wonder Woman's it's- mom, you know, she's just like, oh man, I want a kid. I'm gonna make this baby out of clay. And Zeus, just being Zeus, goes, yeah, I'm gonna come in it, and then it's gonna come to life. I, I yes. think it's more. That's Zeus. I think, Zeus is the worst. Yeah, it's pro- that's probably worst. how it went down. But I think in the comic, sometimes it's the She's late like Thor light. Her ish, yeah, yeah, and. Ah! and there's also though a period where she's like just a super agent. She loses all of her powers and she yeah, just, she knows just works for the CIA. And knows Wait, ninja is that stuff. the same era where where she worked at like a, a fast food restaurant? Yeah. Well, yes, she, she yes, was, it is. And there's that cover of her with like the tray and like yeah. the yeah, little they, roller skate <laughs> they coming know. up to my car serving me a little meal. But that isn't the distant future. The point I wanted to make is that when America gets into the, the, those are the origins, and then uh, once America gets into the war, post-war superheroes struggle to find their home. What ends up uh, really having sales are romantic stories, cowboy stories, and horror stories to a yeah. lesser extent. Yeah, yeah. There's a big thing that happens in 1954 that is really kind of the the nail in the comic 
comics in the superhero titles broadly. It's something called the Comics Authority Code that comes about in 1954. <laughs> Fuck those it's it's put into place because Unless of this. they're into that. Well, that's that's that's. They're get, very much. Not, they would not be into no, that. Trust. I mean, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I hope you said nope, a huge floppy. No, dick. nobody with the word authority in their name is going to like. That so there's Unless Rochelle. They pay you, someone a lot of money to oh, later. Rochelle, you might not know this story. So there's this dude named Charles F. Murphy, and he reads a ton of comics, and he like is a child psychologist kind of thing. Yes. And he decides he, wor- he, he doesn't wor- want it to be too racy. Well, I'm no, assuming. he works. He works close. He he works with troubled kids, and they're like, "Well, we read comics because it's 1950s, and everybody fucking reads comics because they're just all over." That's the, place. the reason kids are bad these days. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. More the reason the reason they commit crimes is because they read Superman and they see how crimes are plotted out and committed. And like Superman, oh Superman God. makes them what you know. Who else was really into the Superman? The Nazis, mm. right? Yeah. And you know who's just a step removed from the Nazis? The communists. And you know who are the bad guys in America in 1954? The communists. The communists. Oh my yeah. God. But you know what Wonder Woman does? She shows a woman like doing stuff at all, like ever. And that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So a woman. That's and a then, woman in power. Hate that. Yep. And then you know who's a real big problem? Batman. He shows crimes, but you know what else? He has a little boy sidekick. Isn't that a little gay? It's a little gay. I'll bet you that's what's making the gays. That's what's making the gays is Batman. Batman is making kids gay. Before the satanic panic, there was the comic book panic. And basically his book, The Seduction of Innocence. (laughs) Fuck, it's such a great... It's so disappointing because, like, that sounds like a book that would be dope to read. And then you do and you're like, oh... Imagine not knowing and you're at Barnes and Nobles and you see a book called Seduction of the Innocent and you're like, oh man, this is going to be some This is going to be some Fifty Shades stuff. Right here. And then you open it up and the first line is, well, Batman's kind of gay, isn't it? And you're just like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that. This is is never. 54. There's, so this guy's talking about kids a lot for a book about seduction. Well, he is in the a innocent. child psychologist. Yeah. No, I know. And without the context, so I am sure there are podcasts that have covered him far better. Oh, God. But there is a lot of really good videos and deep dives on this. For sure. He didn't die until sure. 1992. So uh, he does this. Oh my and God. and here's the thing: comics by 1992 have have, have kind of gotten rid of this thing. So like, as before he dies, to- it goes away. Which if I makes, may. Notoriously, in the late 80s and early 90s, comics super did away with that. It was yeah. what was oh, selling. Like really violent, oh, it rubber banded. Uh, really we were talking about, so we were talking about yeah. Image Comics yeah. earlier, and a lot of their thing was like big guns, big pecs, big tits, big pouches. Like that. And, and as that much is so anti comics. Yeah. Comic so, it's insane. If we when can put start... boobs in there, there's going to be boobs. boobs. If how, we can put yeah, blood in there, there's going to be blood. How often is there nudity in mainstream Well, that's comics. the thing. None. None. But if you're reading Marvel or DC, it's pretty clean. Sometimes there's cursing, but you have to buy like specifically the adult oriented branded yeah, like the worst the worst cursing you'll get in a normal marvel or dc book is your your average hell damn ass bitch they do yeah. censor it that's right they're gonna for. they're gonna put like the wingdings kind of like yeah. asterisk exclamation point for the longest time marvel was just doing f and then asterisks this is but i'm assuming yeah. that other like uh publishers like dark horse well, yeah dark horse yeah. you can get you away can with that shit but, but, they're, but they're not they're not they're not doing it specifically for that. They're doing it because, like, that's what the art is. Because no, the no, other no, thing I is, know. you can you can buy <laughs> smutty comp. Like, you can just go fucking buy smutty comics, and smutty comics don't disappear. Robert Crumb exists yeah. in when the sixties. I mean, like, just like, because the yeah. comics code is yeah. out there doesn't mean it's, that it stops everything. It's, it's yeah, just and it, it is like it is targeted. Yeah, yeah it's okay. targeted at a very particular 
kind of comics at the time. Yeah, and it ends up enforcing the 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 big rule that always stuck with me is that the bad guy has to be defeated by the end, yes. no matter what. So, like, even if you want to do a multiple story arc, you have, you have to, to beat him at yeah, the end of each yeah. one, and you and can't. Then he has to come back. You can't reference drugs. Uh, there, there's certain rules around guns. Police always had to be portrayed in a positive light. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, I know that must have been the hardest one to do because we know the Punisher is the most pro cop uh, superhero out there. But this is when you get the era of Batman where he's like, "I have to wear a different costume every day, or else the city will be destroyed in a flood because an alien told me." Yep. Kind of. This is where the shark repellent kind of stuff comes in. Where yeah. it's it's there's a it lot gets of goofy because it has yeah. to get goofy because you can't tackle any themes tougher than I finding a guy named Crazy Quilt. The the business brand that ends up actually kind of bucking it the most is Marvel, if I remember correctly. Specifically, they do a storyline where uh, Spider Man's best friend dies of a drug overdose, and they never even say what drugs he takes. It's just drugs vague. <laughs> yeah, like like goofy. This child psychologist. You just applied- got us excited applied a specific hierarchy to comic book writing that was artificial. Yeah. Bringing us back to anarchy. Yeah. He, he did that, and he also, the issue for a lot of people was they just conformed because it was a decent job, and because mm-hmm. you get to say, hey, I'm making Batman. In the background, a few things to note. Batman in 1943 gets the first kind of serialized production of a movie of him. Uh, I saw it as a kid and remembered thinking this is bad, so I don't think it's any better. Like, Robin is like a black kid. But like is played as a white kid, but it's it's there's definitely some weird racial stuff. I can confirm this is awful. Yeah, yeah, and no, it, it's it, not shocking at all. It looks like the Batman costume looks like something I could make. Like it's that that not. So good. it doesn't even look as good as Adam. Like West. I swear to God, the no. ears flop down. Yeah, like, oh, oh yeah, like, the ears, like, the ears oh. do be a flopping. <laughs> Uh, also famously in 1952, George Reeves, uh, stars in the Superman, uh, TV show, which ends yeah. up, uh, inadvertently starting the Superman curse. Yeah, where people die. Yeah, while, if you play Superman, you're fucked, pal. Yeah, uh, is, is the supposed curse. Although, oh, do- Superman. Yeah. Well, yeah, wasn't that Christopher Reeves? He got in the horse later. later. He got the yeah, horse that's, that's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, the other fun thing about Superman is he takes on the KKK at one point. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the radio, radio drama. Play. Yeah, in the yeah. radio drama. I didn't write down when that was. The FBI had actually done some work to take down the KKK. And then uh, one of the things that's really cool is they legitimately like outed clan members on the air so that like people listening with their kids had to be like no daddy's not the person superman was just talking about being a bad guy it was a uh, 1946 <laughs> thank you very not very long after the max fleischer animated stuff yeah, so superman man. was pretty popular yeah. at the time from the fleischer stuff um, and then the radio play was also a pretty big deal. I, I mainly wanted to mention it for the KKK thing. We can I never didn't talk enough about people beating up the KKK. No. no. And it's, it's been revisited multiple times as there, well. There was recently a run on the comic books where it's like a Superman kind of reimagining the origins, where it's like some Chinese immigrants are being harassed by the KKK. Uh, yep. and he, Superman smashes the clan. I saw somebody read it online, like one of those things, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I like was paying attention. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like It's, it's pretty. really good. 
and it, it is very honest and true to like the radio play stuff because they actually draw Superman running along the power lines, which is again he couldn't fly, fly at this time the... really. It wasn't what he was most running known along for. The power lines, like so a squirrely he, little shit. That's how. He, yeah, exactly. He that's that was. <laughs> His super speed was also the fact that he could, like, run on power lines. And you also got to remember, like, in the 30s, cars are new. Like, they haven't been Mm -hmm. around, what, like a decade, if that? Relatively fresh item. The idea of somebody being able to survive. That's the other thing is when cars come out, people die left and right. Because car owners don't think about the fact that, like, you're in a flying metal Yeah, if I hit somebody with that, it's probably going to be fine. Yeah. And so, like, the idea of a man being able to stand up to a car impact is, like, pretty pretty sci-fi shit to people. Uh, I compare a lot of stuff to him with cars because you can take the impact one. He's faster than a speeding locomotive. Yeah, so that's got to be terrifying to people. Because like, damn, I can get my car pretty fast. He's right? also kind of a hybrid. Yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's he's powered by the sun. He's he a is. solar kind of solar powered. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just like the idea of a, Elon Musk a Superman no. versus the Proud Boys. But what he really does is he just scoops them up to put them in an enclosure away from everybody else. That that, that is like, what don't, it don't is. Ironic that that's he what just want. sends them all to the Phantom Zone, or he puts them in the tiny little bottle city yeah. in uh, Kandor. Yeah, let yeah, them right, sort it like out amongst themselves. A separate one. It'd be called Mandor. He keeps it. <laughs> yeah, he, he makes Mandor a little bottle city, and he keeps it at his Fortress of Solitude, and just goes and looks in on him. Oh, yeah, no, there's. St- they're still, uh, all right. I, They're still I, making swastikas. I, I seriously thought when you said he scoops him up that you were going to be like, he scoops him up and hugs him until they learn better. Like, it's just, I just I mean, I like, he does have those big nice. arms. Why yeah, would he use them for hugging? I just pictured Superman just flying around with, like, a bunch of, like, proud boys who are just progressively like, no, this, you know, no one's ever hugged me. This does like, feel this, nice. He is, you know what? He is super. Like, yeah. and he even, he even smells super. He even, <laughs> he's been fighting, he fought an alien right. monster six hours ago. It smells like winter fresh. Truly, like, that's the thing, too, is like, Superman would probably, like, yeah, he would squeeze the shit out of them. He would bend their gun in half, and he would probably, like, snap their American flag that's hanging off the back of their truck. And then he'd sit down, put his incredibly powerful hand on their shoulder, and say, hey, we need to talk about why you feel like this is okay to do. And, like, that's what makes Superman Superman. Because he would sit there and be like, we're going to figure out how to unfuck you. That is, I think I think the core, the thing I've always liked about Superman in particular is that his core superpower really is he's genuinely good. Yeah. Like, even if you take everything he's, away, he's yeah. like, I still want to do a nice guy. the right thing. The reason that these iterations are important is that they influence our understanding of the character as it evolves. Like you said, he doesn't have flight until the comic book shows up. Batman... Or the show. Sorry. And then, but with Batman, for example, Batman kind of is capping people left and right the first year. Yeah, he like, he's got gone. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it's not until they decide, like, oh, he needs to stand up for justice. He gets the Robin sidekick. He's got a Robin's brought be more on. Kid friendly. Yeah, Robin is brought on because they're like, all right, this guy is scary. This guy cannot be <laughs> the Batman to- creeping in the shadows with a yeah. gun. Needs to be more child friendly. Let's give him an orphan. Yeah, kids. Kids are looking at this, so let's give him. Let's give him. Something. The people who are reading this the most need a stand-in. They're having a tough time implanting themselves on this mentally ill millionaire <laughs> at the time. Why don't we give him a boy sidekick? And that's also the sales pitch is like, like you said, the, the, the point of view character. Yeah. And that's when he starts becoming more about being peak human achievement. Batman's thing being, he's the most determined. So like, even if you give him superpowers, it doesn't matter because it's all about the fact that like, he wants to do, he's determined to do good in a way that like, Superman is hardwired. And Wonder Woman kind of falls in that same precip where like, because of the lasso of truth, she's kind of always on the side of truth. 
like, like that's kind of implicit. Wonder Woman uh, does have a TV show, but the first of them to get a TV show is Batman in 1966 with yeah, Adam, Adam West. West. That's mm-hmm. one of the most, I mean, it's not the first TV show. Batman, uh, Superman, as I just said, had but a TV show But it's definitely the most iconic of the time. Yeah, it's the most <laughs> iconic and it's most influenced by the comic books authority code era of uh, Batman as a comic, but it's them doing kind of an ironic portrayal. They know that comics have been made into this cheesy, goofy, silly thing, so their goal is to embrace that and bring that to TV to be like, okay, that's that's what's fun. And what's interesting is at that same time, in 66 is when they, Batman is finally starting to be... Or, or, He's being written by guys who will eventually start to make him a darker character. More gritty. And, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, and his his artistic style is changing as well, so that it's less cartoony and goofy and more serious. Those ears are getting taller. They're yeah. getting pointier. <laughs> At some Neil point, Adams is putting more lines on his face. Oh, Neil yeah. Adams. Mm. And so because of that, DC is like, hell yeah, we'll let you go silly with this in because in, you'll stay true to that brand of the character while we're going in this branch, which is why I always find it funny when people are like oh it's not being true to batman i'm like there no no two people no, see the same batman it being very true to the batman of the times so that is the iteration of batman <laughs> that people are most famous no. familiar with yeah. yep. i do i do find it interesting too before i forget i think as a kid or as younger viewers everyone takes that one much more seriously like it's definitely when i was i remember being young enough to watch it and being like oh crap is batman gonna get out of this trap when i'm like six or seven yeah and like as an adult i've even rewatched them and still at least been caught in from the camp angle of like oh my god this is so silly and ridiculous like i didn't see that show until i was like 15 16 right tv land started showing reruns uh-huh. of it the summer that i started smoking weed so guess what i'd watch every day yeah. when i'd smoke weed right and i got invested let me tell you uh, is interesting. That's that's funny because like I I watched it as a kid, saw it then, and then a few years ago had a roommate that had it that he would watch all the time, mm-hmm. and I was like sitting there, I was like, oh, this is like a show I would watch now. Like I would I would seriously if you if you if you just tweak some of the technology, this is still pretty silly, goofy, good shit. Like yeah. it's not it's not bad. It's fun. It's and, fun. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 very much an influential thing that has permeated a lot of the culture well beyond that cuz I mean like if you watch one episode of Powerpuff Girls and you see the phone going off and all that stuff. Yeah, that all comes from That's that's that. exactly yeah. from Batman 66. And then a little bit later I forgot to write down when Wonder Woman has her own TV show equally in influential because it uh thank you because Linda Carter, Linda Carter. uh she She's hot. she a hot becomes a feminist icon but also they do an interesting thing where the story is set at first in world war ii and then they update it and they're like all right let's do it in the the modern age yeah it reflects the thing that the character is able to do in wonder woman she is able to kind of be i mean we even see it with her movies and in dc animated movies she's really well placed in any era that needs just a a superhero and it's the big benefit of just being amazonian woman being yeah. the main character that's not necessarily tied to any specific time because the amazonians exist outside of time in that aspect so you can throw her in world war ii throw her in fucking the the future throw her in the 80s but like maybe do it better than you did anyway <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, yeah don't make it like ally mcbeal but with the lasso of truth so Linda- kristen wig was real hot though yeah 
was real hot in that. Speaking of hot, Linda Carter, again, another thing that's important about her, she has a fair amount of, not necessarily creative control, but she does have a decent amount of say. At the same time, this is superhero TV shows are all made kind of at that point, either in the mold of the Wonder Woman, it's it's a superhero, we're kind of taking it seriously, or slapsticky, kind of Batman-y, but most of them peter out pretty quickly and after a fair, season or two. You're talking about live action, right? You're not yeah, talking yeah. about like the whole Super Friends thing yeah, that yeah. happened. Super Friends is a, is a thing that happened as well that I forgot to write down Super in my Friends notes. Super Friends definitely falls more into the campy side of things, yeah. though, but that's because they had to appeal to children more than yeah, anything. Yeah, they were designed specifically. They also had some weird copyright issues where like they couldn't call themselves the Justice League because the Justice League was a thing that existed. Yeah, but that comic had been made. But DC wouldn't license out the thing. And then they also wouldn't license out the character of Black Lightning. So the character Black Vulcan gets created that is exactly the same. And one of the fun kind of continuity things is it's not exactly the Batman and Robin from the Batman and Robin uh, TV show, but it's Kind of the Batman and Robin from the Batman and Robin TV so show. They were at a time voiced by them, if I remember correctly. Were, were and they? then it was Casey Kasem doing them both. Yeah, okay. I knew it was something like that. Because that's also the same era Scooby-Doo starts popping up. And then you'll get like crossovers between... Casey Super- Kasem is a hell of a Robin. And they should have kept that going forever. They... I mean, I I, I, I just pictured him in Chris. No. He is long dead. Oh yeah, no. I pictured old man Casey Kasem in the Chris O'Donnell yeah. costume. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, See, that's what I'm saying. Whole time. Uh, Holy Russian metal, Batman. No, this metal. It's full of rushed and holes. <laughs> Which was my favorite part of that movie. It's was, so good, dude. <laughs> also, while we're talking about dumb shit that's in Batman Forever, linking right back around to Robin 2, my favorite thing about that is when he's trying to get into the Batcave and like he sees the clock shutting and he goes to jump down to it, but he says now. Like, who is he announcing that to? Uh, that's a, that's that's why such like this breaks the fucking movie for me before he jumps out he goes now and i'm just like what were you saying that's so alfred fucking here, dude? Here's, here's my problem is as a person who talks to themselves regularly i don't know that i wouldn't i wouldn't be the person who'd be like no as I, I i talk to myself a bunch too but if i was doing something like that and trying to be coy and sneaky like he failed the stealth test right out the gate yeah, Fair, he, he really one, did. He got a one on He did that. not need oh, to yeah. announce himself With like the that. context of the intention of stealth. Yeah. yeah, 100%. He was trying to sneak into the Batcave, and he started off by screaming, No! Uh, anyway, tangent over. No, you're fine. The, the, to bring it back around the next big, because we're talking about superhero movie, the next big kind of move in for superheroes, for our characters, for the arc of where I want to get people, is the Superman movie, which comes out in 1978. Where you will yep. believe a man can fly. And where R- Richard Donner will be an absolute madman, as yep. is apparently his case. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he basically tried to film like three movies at one, and then they made it into one, and then they had enough shit left over, someone else made two. And then he was like, I still need my fanboy cut, because that shit has been going on oh, forever. God. So the yes. Schneider cut mm-hmm. is it. It's not anything new. It yeah, always no. moves back around. But the the really cool thing about the that Superman is he is portrayed by Christopher Reeves, who very, very decent. A very iconic Superman. Yeah, very iconic yeah. Superman. One of the first times that we see a superhero movie in a big blockbuster sense in what will become the blockbuster system at a certain point. And it sets the pattern that, like, you can create one, have one in the bank, and if this one is a success, then bam, you're going to make even more money. It also sets up the pattern that will become the reason people think we can't make comic book movies, which is after the second one, there is a significant drop-off in quality. 
so hard. We're like I a think quest for peace. This is a pattern that will repeat forever. Yeah. Marvel, <laughs> Marvel kind of gets around it by having a new superhero every time. So it's really kind of a new movie done the yeah, same they've way. Been, they've got a backlog for yeah. sure. And to be fair, DC does too. But, um, but Marvel, Marvel also Marvel, has that problem. Anytime they get past a two with a movie, it's not that yep. great. Marvel has at least uh, done the thing where they didn't start off with their heaviest hitting characters. They yeah. were like, we're going to test the waters. We're going to throw this kind of B-lister character out there and make a movie with them. See how it works out. Because Iron Man wasn't a big deal. Oh, God, before I thought you were talking about Blade. No, Iron Man. Oh, my that God. First. That's Blade was true. So great, yeah. They did try this already once, yeah, but, but instead but of them owning everything, it was, okay, we're going to sell off right. our least likely property first. We're going to sell off Blade, see how that does. Now that Blade did good, okay, you guys want the Spider-Man X-Men shit. That's so where the money is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, Blade, so Blade, Blade 1 was so good. Blade, Blade 2 was pretty damn... All these motherfuckers trying to ice skate uphill. Oh, my my, my favorite part is hearing, uh, I think it's I think it's Blade 3, the one that he does with R- Ryan Reynolds. Uh-huh. They had to digitally insert uh, Wesley Snipes' eyes because <laughs> he refused to open his eyes in one scene that they needed him to be like, oh, and murder people. And he's like, nope. Nope, I'm just gonna lay here. Like, yeah, he was pissed off. I forget what it was. But the first, the the first iteration of this is Superman is is Christopher Reeves. The first thing that it shows the most of is is that um a th- these things can make a ton of money, uh, very profitable, and b that you can take all of these years of story and condense them down into bam a thing because you've developed a full ass character after all that time. Yeah. And one of the interesting things is you have a kind of preloaded commercial because there's so much of this other stuff. The the thing we were talking about earlier where it's like, well, you don't know – what do you know about comic books? Well, you know something about comic books because they've been around for so long. By the time Superman comes around, that's really begun. He's the first thing – the first kind of property that you could do that with. Batman comes along in 1989 and kind of shows that that formula – like kind of repeats the same sort of cycle and formula that, that Superman has arguably where it's yes. like first one's pretty good. The second one, everyone's like – the fuck is going on? The third <laughs> it one, feels like an extra footage movie. The third one's yeah. like, oh. Was there three yeah. Michael Keaton Batmans? No, just, the, just, just two. two. Yeah. And then, Michael and then Ke- was it Val Kilmer after yes, that? Yes, then Val Kilmer. And then George Clooney just collecting a paycheck. Yeah. God, just, those ones were weird. When he whips out the fucking credit card. Well, I think... Oh I believe really without it. Well, I think a lot of that was no, just... No, I'll stop for drive through I, I will say, without the volume... Batman and Robin holds up as long as you put as long as you just put it on in the background. But Batman, the original movie production starring Michael Batman Keaton, and and fun fact about Michael Keaton, he was a stand-up comedian for years and years. Yeah, and like acting was just a gig. Like like he was like whatever I can do to make money, and then he got good he at landed, acting. He landed as Batman. Yeah, and that's kind of those those are how people know superheroes more or less win. How the- wild that Wonder Woman didn't get a movie until yeah, what, didn't- like 2017? Well, that's it, it was always kind of a thing that's in the works and stuck in yeah. production hell. Because a lot Which of super, I mean, makes sense. a lot of yeah. superhero movies are that way. They will. What happens is the the comic book company will own air quotes own the title and they will lease the license to it to a studio to make a movie and in some cases like marvel just made their own studio because eventually they started yeah. making enough money well it's because they made bad business deals originally and then they were well, like yeah they got fucked with spider-man they, right? yeah, yeah. They, yeah they made terrible they almost went bankrupt 
And they got they got very lucky when Spider-Man made them money back. They're like, oh, thank you, God. So, but the the important part with with that is that Wonder Woman and other heroes are kind of constantly in a sort of development. A lot of the reason that there's like the Hulk TV show too, yeah, where somebody's no. like, I think the Thor character in the Hulk movie that was like a made-to-TV movie is because whoever owns the character to film it needs to use it or they'll lose it and they're like just fucking shove it in here it your, would be impossible to talk about this without talking about roger corman's fantastic four because that go is ahead. the epitome of that yeah where uh, they made a really shitty fantastic four movie for like a million dollars it is notoriously garbage you couldn't even buy it for the longest time because they had to hold on to the rights they had to make something or they would lose it so they were just like yo Give us, give us anything, just fucking anything, and, and it is. Just, it looks awful. Uh, you can for the longest time you can only buy it at conventions. It was that bad, like as far as not being released. Which when did this one come out? Like eighties. This was in the eighties. Because I mean, yeah. and, the and, more recent Fantastic Four is pretty questionable. Oh yeah, there's never been well. a good Fantastic Four and movie. Then, that was when kind of the curse of that started, so to speak. The curse being that like somebody's like, oh shit, we got to make money from this, which or is we'll also lose funny because that should be a really easy one to knock out of the park. No. And it's that one, if I remember right, like it's a, another instance of everyone making the art doesn't know that that's what's up. Yeah. So like these actors are acting their heart out. Yeah. Like, they're like, all, they're all very genuine in what they're doing, the costuming and all that. Like, even though it looks like butt trash because, you know, it's fucking the, the less than a million dollars for the movie. Like, at least they're trying. And it's then, a production full of people that are trying and then they don't have the curtain drop on them until later that it was like, actually, we're not even going to release this. Aww. Yeah. Producers knew we weren't going to release it when we started Batgirl. Uh, like, I should have coughed more for that Batgirl. But, like, it, it was a circumstance where they were like, no, we kind of know we're not going to release this, but, like, go go do your plaything so we can collect a write-off of yeah. this somehow. That all, oh, that has it. been going on forever. This is the circumstance to which the Batman animated universe, the, the main... Remember 70 hours ago when I started this thing? <laughs> Batman the Animated Series is what starts off the entire DC universe. It starts Who's in... the original the voice DCAU. of Batman? Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. And he, he portrays it for a very... He... To as this day. Yeah, yeah. He still to this day! To this day. Also, uh, Mark Hamill will just do anything you put a Joker in. He will play... Not, not, that is not accurate. Interesting point of order, too. Uh, Mark Hamill was not going to be the Joker at first. Um, and in fact, when you watch some of the oldest episodes of Batman the Animated Series, Mark Hamill plays a couple of background characters. The original choice for the voice of the Joker was Tim Curry. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, what? Tim Curry. There's, been a, there's and, been a lot of tape surfacing recently of his uh, of his cuts and shit. Mm-hmm. Tim Curry did actually record really some good, stuff, but I, like. I don't remember why. But Tim Curry eventually had I would to leave the project. My, my hot take on this one, after having heard the tapes, is you said it might have been very good. Wouldn't have been. Really, no. it wasn't yeah. good. No, I love Tim Curry to death, especially for his voice right. acting stuff. He is an incredibly and talented I mean, voice actor. But to dude. be fair, would he have been a better like Scarecrow or Clayface? Oh, oh he would have made an amazing Clayface. Yeah, he'd murder yeah. Clayface. Yes, yeah. I I enjoy the Clayface that was in the show. To be fair, I think yeah. they did a very good job. But um, yeah, like the the Batman the Animated Series when it starts off in 1992, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that at the time, a lot of the animators were working on other projects for WB. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, the Tim Burton movie had been incredibly popular and they wanted to kind of capitalize on the popularity of Batman post that yeah. movie coming out. We need out. a cartoon tie-in for this movie that's and, doing very well. And, so and it they, was a pseudo-tie-in because it wasn't, <laughs> but it also kind yeah. of borrowed a it lot was of dark. the spirit. Yeah, because yeah. basically, if I remember right, like their mandate was like, this Batman is making us a lot of money, 
So, like, maybe you can use that, but because the way things work, like, you're not in the same universe. Like you said, a lot of the same producers. Fun artistic note, it, the original first season, if I remember right, is all done on black paper, mm -hmm. and then the art is applied to afterwards. So, it's one so, of my favorite facts about this. Which yeah. is why it looks stunning. Yeah, why it always has, like, this really dark, gritty, or, or just dark feel, because it starts on it's black paper the credits at the start of the first episode the <laughs> and then the, that whole da, little da, scene da, 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 that was their that was their uh that was their pitch yeah that was their this is approximately what we want to make it is a yeah. very small episode of the show and so that, that plays before every episode of the show wow. yeah, yeah. It, they, they, they play they play their basically their pitch animation cells they animate that and then also a lot of the music was very heavily influenced by the the soundtrack from the Tim Burton, um, not necessarily stolen one to one, but the person that the person that composed most of the music for the animated series for Batman was basically told like take the vibe of the Tim Burton stuff and run with that. So he did Tim Burton did both of the Keaton ones then. Yeah. Yes. The the other interesting thing to me is they they take stories from all over. They create brand new characters that end up becoming iconic. Not just Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is like the most famous. Famous, but if I remember, Renee Montoya also yep. comes from the show. From the Detective show. Bullock comes and, from the show. And, yep. and the Phantasm comes from the show. Yeah, the Phantasm. I fucking love the Phantasm. And the 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 Batman. The, this this one animated series will end up spawning off the rest of these things. So there's like five series totals. There will be a Batman movie that gets released, uh, like like a theatrical the, release. theatrical release that honestly probably would have done better, but it was really poorly advertised. I was like, very blessed to have seen that in theaters uh, as a child. That is one of the high points of my oh. life core fucking memory uh, they've had two or three other feature link at least three other feature link films that were designed with the potential to be mass release potentially as feature films and then like at some point in production they're like yeah let's just make this direct to dv no, this is direct to VH. but like yeah but <laughs> they had they, they've had at least three instances of that in addition to all these series and they all come from from what we're talking about well and this is this is one of the nice things uh about this particular particular concept and this universe as most of the most successful cartoons are it's one of the cartoons that is serialized which means that if you watch it from beginning to end there are cohesive through lines that go all the way from start to finish more or less and there's character progression as the series goes yeah. on you meet things Harvey changes Dent. and those changes have permanence you, you meet Harvey Dent as he, he ends up becoming Two Face, and then you, yes. and then there's like a deeper relationship between Batman and Two Face than just like he's the dude with half a face. But like, oh no, they used to be. They went to like school <coughs> together. They've known each other since they were kids. And allies. Yeah. Yep. And one of the nice things about the fact that they were able to do that means that as you watch through Batman the Animated Series all the way through the rest of the DCAU, you can start to pick up on a lot of different themes and get a lot of ideas. Uh, based off of the stories that they are yeah. telling in the more long form, which is definitely going to tie into the conversation yeah. that we're having. And uh, Batman the Animated Series yeah. starts in 1992. Yeah, uh, after that starts, uh, not even a year later, they greenlight Superman the Animated Series. Superman also equally, I think, slaps in a bunch of ways. Some, some really cool uh, highlight for the next section is the fact that there's an episode where Superman stops the execution of a black prisoner who has been framed by a cop who in turn gets executed by the end of that episode. So like the whole Batman kind of a cap kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. all the way as far as the cartoon goes. 
at a certain point, they realize like, oh, we have Batman and we have Superman. Let's cross them over and save ourselves some money. Because oh, yeah. the production behind Batman in particular is the budget for it is actually pretty big for the first season. That's why like the first season is like 60 episodes if you look at it in DC's like online catalog. Yeah. And you can, I, I'm pointing to fucking the movies as if people in the audio format can see it. But like you can buy the, the first season. Like, I think in, I have a season one DVD and it's like 30 something episodes. Yeah. Like there's a, it's a lot on there yeah and they spent a lot of money on that and it shows in in the production and in the voice casting because like like we were talking about they were gonna get tim curry to do it they get mark i Hamill. will also say as far they as the had... voice casting goes too it's not just the talent that they got for the voices but the voice direction yeah is really really Andrea good Romano. Andrea Romano. i was just gonna say Andrea Romano. Fucking thank Go. you that's exactly who i was gonna if say there is, if there is a show with good voice acting guarantee she directed any fucking show. animated yeah. show from like the early 90s through like the 2010s more or less like like, yep. if it's iconic, she probably touched it, or at least touched someone who touched it. She started the career of someone <laughs> who someone was on that shit. Phrasing. Like, uh, I mean, but that woman is... She's the goat, dude. She's if, so good. I think that's a good point to take a break, because I have to pee. I also have That, of course, brings an end to the second half of recyclables jla but the a's for anarchy i've been your host tour guide editor person who talks into the microphone way too much patrick thomas perkins join us next time we're going to talk about the justice league cartoons we're going to get a little bit in depth into the lore we're going to talk about how i think the justice league cartoon represents to a small degree what it looks like when anarchy uh, kind of takes action in a, in a larger sense. But that's for next week. Uh, between now and then, maybe check the feed. Maybe don't be surprised if there's something in there. Maybe do be surprised if there's something in there. Don't, don't. I, I'm trying to work on a Christmas episode, but I, I don't want to promise something I can't deliver. And I know not everybody celebrates Christmas, but you'll get the point when I get to the episode if, if I can get it done. Uh, until then. I just want to take a second. Uh, special shout out and happy birthday, Erica N. Let's let's uh, name our executive producers. Executive producer Sabrina Phelps. Executive executive producer Edwin Shives. Uh, this this episode was also brought to you in part by executive producer Stephanie Oxford, as well as executive producer Whitney Hampson and executive producer Nova Starlust. Uh, executive producer Rob Campbell. Uh, thank you to especially executive producer Andrea Miller, Ben Menard, an executive producer on this program, as was Kristen Rowan. Uh, additionally, uh, executive supporting this show is Linda Grimes, uh, another of the uh, executive producer and star, guest star, Butterface Creations, thank you. Uh, Carrie Davis, thank you, especially. You, you just, thank you a lot. Uh, Ash Alexander, thank you for being an executive producer. And Shella L, you are an executive producer of this program as well. Thank you. If you're like, man, he said executive producer so often, that word doesn't mean anything anymore. How do I become one of those people? It's very simple. Become a patron of the show, uh, and you're helping produce the show. And if you can't, like, that's okay, too. That's kind of the beauty of our system is it's pay what you can to each according to their need from each according to their ability. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Catch you next time.
And yeah. that is, by the way, a weird culmination of everything about the guy. You yeah, know? it's 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 like if I found a way to like comb- if we found a way to make the show about cunnilingus every time, then it would be like exactly perfect. Bam! Let's hit the bingo. <laughs> oh my god! Don't worry, I'm cutting that out. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.